We're back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The fan, a reminder to send in your wake and rake picks. Maple Leafs, Buffalo Sabres, 7.30 p.m. tonight. Maybe your pick comes from that. We're going to tee up the NCAA March Madness bracket in our wake and rake section as well. Are a, we? I haven't taken a look at it. A playable. Well, we're not going to do it today, but we're going to tee it up. We've got some time. Okay. We're going to make a community-wide competition just like we did with the Super Bowl prop bets so keep that in mind but send in your picks 590-590 we're talking about the ancestral diet the liver king the raw beef heart I don't know what goes on there where Frank lives what he's feeding the kids what he's mowing down for breakfast but (laughs) I really hope it's not straight liver and beef Frank what do you uh what do you think of Jacob Chikrin's new diet Definitely a little weird, but like, who am I to, who am I to cast a stone? Because I could probably use a little of that, whatever that is. I could, I could definitely use to be healthier. I know that raw liver or raw beef heart. You have to eat one. Which one are you picking? Uh, <laughs> I'm not eating either one. I'm sorry. I'm going hungry. Yeah. Give me the heart. Oh my God! Have you seen yeah, liver? Have you seen it. beef liver? Yes, I've seen it. I walk by it in the grocery store, and it looks, no thanks. It looks abhorrent. It's a good word. Well, Justin. The first thing I think of when you say like the heart is just something incredibly tough and chewy, and I'm just like, yeah, that's a hard no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what what do you? Is this like? the personality Jacob Chikrin's always had, or is he just getting some shine and now we're learning about the (laughs) NHL's liver king finally that he's in Ottawa? (laughs) Well, we had the bison king. Now we have the liver king. Um, I would say uh, this has sort of always been what he's been like. He's, He's developed a reputation for the last number of years as someone who takes, you know, incredible care of himself uh, despite the injuries that he had, was always one of the most in shape and fit uh, players in the league, and something that he takes very seriously. So uh, I'd heard rumblings of it for the last number of years while he was in Arizona, uh, but now that he's sort of out of that, you know, sort of dead zone and into the spotlight, um, yeah, I think certainly uh, getting a little bit more attention and maybe shedding a light or shining a light on some of those. Yeah, and we're seeing, like, you know, moments with the grandfather and, and mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing a little bit more, learning a little bit more about Jacob Chikrin. But the truth of the matter is Ottawa's kind of fallen off the table a little bit here recently, mm-hmm. along with the Buffalo Sabres. Like, it was kind of shaping up to be, like, a really, really interesting Eastern Conference wildcard race. But uh, it looks like the bottom's kind of fallen out of that. Yeah, it really has. And it's it's disappointing because it kind of feels like, in a lot of ways, we're almost locked into the eight teams. And I don't know if that's actually going to come to fruition or not, but the the team that has the best chance to get in now, and I, I wouldn't have believed it, you know, had you said it two weeks ago, is the Florida Panthers, you know, as the nine. But that's, again, a, a wish, a hope, a prayer. We're probably locked in with the Pens and Islanders in the seven and eight spots as the wildcard teams. I mean, that's what the math would indicate, you know, even though the Islanders have played, you know, more games than most. And there's just no one, there's no race. There's no excitement. There's no drama. There's, you know, these teams have sort of shot themselves in the foot. I thought Buffalo had an incredible opportunity 
you know, five weeks ago to really put a stamp on their team and, and where they're heading in this race. And same thing with the Sens. You know, once they got Chikrin, you're thinking this is an incredible chance to to really finally take a step forward. They motored all the way back from, you know, sort of being left for dead in November. And now, now what? They're kind of just, you know, in, in no man's land. Everyone's lost. Anytime you think that they make up ground, they lose two or three straight, and, and then that's it. And so it's sort of been a little disappointing in that sense that, I you know, I think everyone was hoping for a little bit more drama and just doesn't seem like we're going to get it. That Florida team is sort of our last chance, our last hope for that. Well, we're certainly getting some drama from your Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, after we got off the air on Friday, they announced the dismissal of uh, GM Chuck Fletcher and then Danny Briere, obviously taking over the role on an interim basis. Um, wondering if you had any, you know, rumblings of this happening beforehand or just the thought of the timeliness of this decision and, and why it needed to be made right now with a month left of the regular season. Yeah, I think, Ailish, a lot of people thought that this is where it was heading in terms of the decision-making process. Once this team, you know, was really floundering, you know, in, in November and December, it sort of felt like, and I think everyone around the league felt like Chuck Fletcher was walking the plank. Um, as far as the timing of the decision, if, if that is the case, if, you, if you're sitting there as Comcast Spectacor CEO Dave Scott in January, and you're thinking, okay, we're going to make a change at the general manager and president of hockey ops position. Why not do it then as opposed to going through the trade deadline and then finally making the decision? Uh, I think the best way to frame it is that the way the Flyers deadline played out and not getting anything for James Van Riemsdyk and frankly, just how toxic the market became after that it really hastened the decision. It was the cherry on top. And look, there was a protest planned outside of Wells Fargo center for Saturday where fans like instead of pitchforks were like quite literally going out there with signs and banners saying this guy must go. So that's, Mm. that's the level that it rose to that people were just so unhappy here, not renewing season tickets. Um, you know, so disappointed in, in the state of the franchise and where it's heading. They want direction. They want a clear path toward something, whether that's a rebuild, whether it's a retool, whatever it is, they need more communication and they needed more action. And now with Danny Breer as the interim, I fully expect that whenever this process is over and however many people are interviewed, that Danny Breer is going to be the, the man left standing and, and holding that title as GM. I think the real question is, who is he going to be working with as their next uh, president of hockey ops as they split that job into two different roles? So why Danny Breer? What makes you so confident that he will be the fit long-term? Uh, he, he was publicly saying that, you know, no doubt in his mind it isn't a quick fix. They're going to take some time you know, rebuild doesn't mean a fire sale, but there are some pieces that they need to hold on to. Um, he seemed like he obviously came with the right, you know, direction on the first opportunity to speak to media, but why is it Danny Barrera that you think will be the long-term fit? Well, they like him and they trust him and they've worked with him for a while. And so that is the Comcast Spectacor business side of the operation. They sort of groomed him through this process over the last 10 years to, 
to essentially be in this spot. Uh, you know, once his playing career was ended, uh, he took some time with his family, but then jumped in on the business side, learning that portion of the business and was given an opportunity to run an ECHL franchise, the main Mariners, from a start to finish basis, you know, as, as a team that started from the ground up. Um, you know, he went through the process of, of hiring the coach and did uh, a lot of running that team on a low resource basis compared to, um, you know, certainly what you'd have at the, the NHL level. And so got that training. And then, of course, as other opportunities arose around the league, he didn't, you know, he interviewed and, and certainly went deep in the process. For instance, what the Montreal Canadiens did um, before ultimately hiring Kent Hughes, um, you know, a few years back, a couple years back now, that there was almost this promise, unwritten promise there, that if there is another opportunity that arises in this organization, that you will sort of be at the very top of the list, which I think enabled him to, to comfortably stay knowing that he would get that chance. So that's sort of where it stands and, and why they think he's uh, well-suited based on, you know, the experience he has, although a sort of non-traditional path in, in hockey op circles, you know, didn't rise through, you know, scout to pro scout or director of player personnel and then assistant GM that he's sort of been in the mix and been in the room and see how things are run, but is coming at it from a different angle, which I think the Flyers – appreciate and i you know i'm wondering you know what the response is going to be like from their fan base as well yeah the uh the cynical side of this i guess would be that oh it's another flyer it's another part of the Mm -hmm. old boys club right like this is the flyers choosing their person and they've tried to insulate i'm not even sure who they is but whether it's comcast ownership like everything that goes into it they kind of they choose their own. And I feel like an outside perspective might be exactly what this team is, or at least someone with autonomy coming in and doing what's actually right. It felt like Chuck Fletcher. I don't know exactly what his situation was, autonomy, whatever, but it feels like it's hard to be you. It's hard to be like your idea of a general manager. It might be hard to be what Danny Briere wants Danny Briere to be because of the influence when you're inside the Philadelphia organization. Is there any like merit to that? Like this general manager can't be the person or the executive it wants to be because your hands are kind of tied if you're the Flyers GM. Yeah, I think that's a really fair question to ask. And I think it's, it's, an, it's an answer that a lot of fans are frankly are seeking what sort of limitations are in place when it comes with this role. And I I think there's a lot to tell, not that you'll ever hear it, but from Chuck Fletcher's side, having just left, I think there was an incredible amount of frustration on all of the different responsibilities that he had to the point where I don't know how much time he was actually able to spend building the, the hockey team, so to speak, because there's so many other corporate responsibilities and so many, you know, sort of people to please in terms of uh, a lot of different things going on. And that's difficult. And also, you know, the other point that I've seen made recently publicly that uh, I know Jeff Merrick has made it and others that there seems to be a lot of influence on the decision-making process by you know, the group of former flyers that are still actively involved in the team in, in not so much headline titles, but as 
you know, sort of advisors, senior advisors in Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren and Bill Barber and a whole group of other people that, you know, have influence that have been around the organization for a long time. I don't know how true all that is. Like, I I do think that they're there and being Lombardi as well as, as sort of sounding boards and advice. Um, But I do think that there were just so many corporate issues and responsibilities that, you know, that's the big reason for splitting this role off into two separate jobs. Have one person be that liaison and be that, you know, at times, if you need it, public face as the president of Hockey Ops, and then be the shield for whoever is the GM, likely Danny Breer, to just step in and do that job as opposed to having to worry about some of those outside influences. Yeah, definitely two ways to look at that as well. It's like, okay, so you have someone who might be able to send messages to you or it's someone that can separate uh, church and state a little bit. We'll see what happens. I think we'll know exactly. Justin, I also think, too, to add to that, and your point is, I think it's dangerous having two different people as, I think so too. having the final say. Especially there, especially in Philly. I think it's no matter where it is. I think it's dangerous mm-hmm. um, because you have the general manager that's doing all the work who then reports to the president of hockey ops and the president of hockey ops holds the hammer and final say, and there's not always agreement there. In fact, I think there, there rarely is at times. And when that one person holds the ultimate authority and they're not necessarily doing the work, um, Sometimes you, you butt heads, and I think you see that in a lot of organizations, and I think that's why ultimately you're better suited having one person in both roles, but maybe not in a corporate sense where you're dealing with a whole lot of other stuff. Well, we've seen it here in Toronto, too, with Dubas and Shanahan. Like, how much of a Shanahan influence has uh, impacted what we've seen? How much autonomy has Dubas had this entire time? Like, I think it's worth asking the questions, but again, we never really know because I guess we don't really get the honest truth at the end of things, but this is how organizations set themselves up for as we're seeing this more and more. I think it's a huge part of, of what's going on. And I think ultimately at the end of this season, win or lose what happens with the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and Kyle Dubas and his future. I think a huge part of that hinges on this exact conversation. So let's uh, switch over to the Leafs fully here. Um, nothing like a matchup with the Oilers to produce a Selkie candidate for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, but that's a little bit of the conversation here with Mitch Marner, two sublime defensive plays creating offense for the Leafs. Um, is there is there a legitimate chance that Mitch Marner could be the Selkie winner this year? To be the Selkie winner? I mean, I think he certainly played himself into the conversation I'd really have to do it and we're getting to voting season. Like this is the prime time to ask and the prime time to begin doing that research. I think there's a real solid chance that he's going to end up on a vast majority of the top fives that are submitted by a PHWA voters. But I, I don't know if he's necessarily made himself a clear cut winner. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's center of the world stuff. I'm sure there'll be some support in this market. There'll be support in a lot of markets, but it does buck the normal trend, which is to pick the shutdown center or the center that's driving incredible results. And 
should be no surprise that if you look at, uh, you know, Atlanta analytical profiles, Patrice Bergeron is having a hell of a defensive uh, season or two-way season for the Boston Bruins. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's if this continues, if he keeps scoring goals purely based off defensive uh, acumen, I, I'm sh- sure it'll get more people's attentions. But it is a big ass for a winger uh, to step into that conversation fully. Um, the other side, I just, it's the eye test for me, really, that does it for Marner. Like it's the it's the effort, the intensity, the stick lifts, yeah. the back checks. It's it's all those things that it's it's relentless, and I I don't know that that's. It's also not always easy to properly quantify. Like yeah, you, I, you know, you can see all that, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it translates extremely well to to paper. It might not. It might, but the other part of it is like it's hard to deny some of that other stuff that is on paper for the other players. Definitely. You can find the counting stats on Marner, but it definitely takes a little extra effort. And I guess the way you do view things uh, when you're putting together ballots Uh, quickly on the Oilers side, uh, it felt like McDavid was on an Island again, Saturday night. That was, you know, just one game. Mm -hmm. And, but there have been many of those just one games. Is there any, is there faith in that team on your end with, you know, adding Ekholm could be a massive acquisition. We've seen that second gear for McDavid and Dreisaitl in the postseason as recently as last year, but it still seems despite adding two pieces that they are really, really thin behind 97. I think way less so this year than other years. I mean, just even just, you mentioned the counting stat, I purely look at, at Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman and, and the support that they have, you know, Hyman already has 72 points. Nuge hit 80 already for the first time in his career. Um, and so they've got a much better supporting cast and that team is so much better and plays so much different when Evander Kane's in the lineup, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of easy to forget that he's missed 40 some games already this season. Um, and so that's a huge difference maker for this team. They still need more. Like it's been a really disappointing season for Kyler Yamamoto and the injuries that he's dealt with. Um, you know, they, they could certainly use a lot more from some other players that are in their lineup. Um, so I'm not as concerned because I also think, as you mentioned about last year and, and what we saw from the Oilers in the playoffs, like that was almost a single handed effort of McDavid and Dreisaitl willing that team to round three. I mean, both of those players, two points a game or more in the playoffs last year, like to think of how well they play in the regular season, then to explode to that level in the playoffs, it's something that we've really never seen. And so to think that they're better supported this year, I think, and that ability is tucked away, you know, in their, in their pocket. Um, and the addition that this Western conference is sort of wide open. Like if you're sitting there in the West outside of Colorado, if you're the Oilers, does, does any team scare you? Like, is it, is any team, are you walking in saying, you know, I don't know that we've got the goods to, to get past this team. So much of it, I feel like with the Oilers, especially this year is going to come down to goaltending, which it, it seemingly always does. But, um, I mean, I, I look at that team and I say they're they're well positioned to, to have a rematch for the Western Conference Final from last year. 
And maybe your answer to this next one and last one here, Frank, uh, comes from this team, but we're going to do um, our own version of the Oscars Awards after we hang up with you. Uh, best actor, best supporting actor, best director. We've got to get your answers for that. In terms of best actor, we mean that in best player. Um, who are you giving the best actor to this year in the NHL? Uh, it's it's not close at McDavid. I, it's, this is one of the top three individual single seasons in NHL history. That was an easy one for sure. Um, okay. But this one might be, this one might be tough. Uh, best supporting actor. So for this, you know, it doesn't have to be who supports McDavid, but maybe someone that doesn't get the shine that they deserve. That's supporting a team, an unsung hero, an unsung hero esque. Hmm. Unsung hero. Um, stumped. How about William Nylander? All right. He could be in one of our ballots. He might be mine. He (laughs) might be mine. And finally, best director, uh, best coach slash organization, like management um, that you've seen this season. Uh, It's kind of hard to argue against Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, I I truly, and I, I say this like half tongue in cheek, like I believe anyone going into Boston this year was going to have success following Bruce Cassidy. Like when you think about, Jake DeBrusque were sending his note, his, his trade request and, and Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci coming back. Jim Montgomery's done a fantastic job though this year. The team has 105 points and there's still 17 games to go. Um, I mean, they're chasing records. They hit 50 wins before they hit 10 regulation losses. So um, I'm going to say Jim Montgomery and, and Don Sweeney because Don Sweeney also crushed it at the deadline. I was actually going to ask you if there was a regular season record left that the Bruins hadn't beaten yet or broken yet. I actually, like, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Every time I feel like every week I see a, a new graphic Sportsnet that's like, hey, beat this record that stood since 1912. It's like, what? <laughs> These guys are wild. But chill, yeah. I, I think you're on to it with um, them sweeping some awards as well. Um, we're going to play you out now. Uh, thanks so much. We're on the stage and the, the sound's coming and everyone's applauding you I'm on out. their way out. <laughs> thanks, Frank. I uh, appreciate yeah. you coming on t- with you next Monday. Have a great week, guys. You too. Frank Saravelli, NHL Insider, President of Hockey Content at DailyFaceOff.com. Couple easy awards there when you look NHL wide. Could be uh he mentioned you know the Western Conference final rematch. Both those teams, Colorado and Edmonton, in wildcard position, mm-hmm. does not pay to win the division in the Western Conference. We will see the Colorado Avalanche as well on Wednesday night. Um, but tonight, of course, Maple Leafs back in action hosting the Sabres at 7 30 p.m. Uh, you can catch that on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And after the game, Leafs Nation with Brent Gunning and Gord Stelic. And then, of course, Leafs Talk on YouTube every post-Leafs game. It's a buffet of post-game shows here. You can stream one and stream the other and one ear, one AirPod in each. Um, time for something to chew on brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. We miss them. It's been a, a little hiatus. They're back. I hope you're hungry. Because they got lots for you. Um, they were uh, getting enough meat to Jacob Chikrin and Ottawa. They were. That was the... Uh... Hey, you should have a sponsorship. He'll, he'll have a sponsorship yeah. soon with like some sort of meat company. Um, there's a lot that we have to possibly do for something to chew on, but... A couple headlines this weekend? Yes. I wanted to save the football ones for the Wake and Rake. We can tee up some of the big moves. Maybe they change the odds. But uh, let's go to a little U Sports action. Mm. Carlton Ravens. 
made a clean sweep this past weekend. And both the men and the women captured a national title. Their basketball team um, has been absolutely dominant for the last plus decade in sports. Um, the Ravens on the men's side needed double OT to win their Ooh. 17th national championship since 2003. 17 national championships since 2003. So like 17 out of 20 we're running here? That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Maybe one of the most iconic Canadian sports dynasties, in even not even just college-wide that we've seen here Definitely. in a long time. The NCAA tournaments... Mm-hmm. need to have Carlton go. Like, you if Carlton think, eh? wins, if both of them win, let's say they get the double. The men and women both win for Carlton. They both gain immediate entry into the NCAA tournament. People always say that. And as someone that played with you sports and NCAA, I don't know if I... I don't know if I like that. Why don't you like it? I still think there's Is there could Great be Br- worlds Great apart. Britain, Canada? Well, I think it... it <laughs> you don't want to see another Great Britain, Canada? It'll be fun, I do you believe said. that... Carlton no, Ravens I, I being this they could, dominant, they could I, make some noise. But. I don't think it would be like I don't think it would be an absolute nightmare. Would I expect them to win? No. Would I expect them to beat a number one seed? No. But you know, they're non-competitive teams every year at the tournament, and I feel like they could be better than non-competitive. Well, it's the first time that a school has won both basketball titles since 1985. So, congrats to the Carlton Ravens. They might the be dynasty. a little bit more of a team, too. Because what do we see in college ball? All these one-and-dones, all these mm. players that are just there for... Like, they, you don't see teams that grow together for a while. I think one of the good things about U Sports is that that Carleton team has probably been together for a little while. There's no one-and-dones there. Since 2003, bit... it's the same team. They just don't graduate. Yeah. They just, just stay. and they It's like 36-year-olds dominating, yeah. Pretty sure that uh, J.D. Bunkus went to Carleton, so I'll have to ask him about it. I wonder if he tried out for the team. Definitely not. Uh, we will talk about the first overall pick being traded and Jalen Ramsey also making headlines this past weekend. We'll do that in the wake and rake. Send in your picks at 590, 590. But on the other side of the break, we're going to do our Toronto Sports Oscars last night was the 95th Academy Awards. And in spirit of that, we're going to hand out some of our own hardware to some Toronto sports teams and players. That's next on the Fan Morning Show. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. It's award season. The Oscars were last night, the 95th Academy Awards. I watched a few movies, but not enough that I really was super invested in the Oscars, but there was a few that I was hoping for, and uh, they did sweep the podium. I saw a total of one movie acknowledged last night. I'm not surprised. And it wasn't the one you thought it was. sitting in darkness in your either. basement. No. I'm just kidding. Watching sports. That's Scotty right. There's not, there's not a lot of time for other things to watch. Mitch but Marner, the I, stars of the weekend for me. That's right. Uh, so we're handing out some of our own hardware. In honor of the Academy Awards last night, we have quite a few different categories and nominations for these prestigious awards, including Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Director, Best Picture, Best Sound or Score, Best Costume, Best Drama, Best Comedy, and a bonus that only you answered. 
I just want to give the cinematography award to the Sportsnet producers and directors that cut to Connor McDavid uh, after every yes, goal on yes, Saturday night. Yes, yes. Beautiful work. Here's your first award. Congratulations. Beautiful work. Yes. I just wanted to get that one. No, get going early here. Let's get the awards going. Get one <laughs> right off the shoot. Uh, do you want to lead up to the big award, how they do it with the Oscars? You know, you start with some of the little ones and then you make your way to the big best actor, best picture. Yeah, I think that makes sense, actually. Okay. You, now, you're like drama, comedy. They don't separate it at the Oscars, but you're this well, is I our thought own we spin. Could, we could get a bit more specific and best comedy and best drama. I know that those aren't actual awards at the I Oscars. Think that was a good, I think that was a good call. But you. I think there's a lot of dramatic moments and comedic moments in Toronto sports. And just a reminder, this is only Toronto. So don't get mad at us if we haven't put in your Boston Bruins. Okay, we don't that care about that. funny thing that happened with Brad Marchand. Eh, not allowed. No. Okay, for best drama. That's wow. amazing. Dun, 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 dun. Wow. <clears throat> the award for best drama goes to Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender Matt Murray. The Matt Murray experience has been mm. full of dramatic twists and turns from the season opener, injuries and in warm-up against former teams, LTIR. The battle between Matt Murray and the post was its own saga of dramatics. The battle between him and Ilya Samsonov, <laughs> the battle between Dubis's big gamble and the future of the Maple Leafs. Matt Murray has been a season full of dramatic. And I believe that there could be a successful happy ending in this drama, but it's to be continued. Mm-hmm. There is part two of the saga. This is a, maybe a trilogy. But award for the best drama goes towards Matt Murray and the Maple Leafs. Okay, I like it. I like it. Not really a moment, but a storyline. Yeah. And a very dramatic storyline at sure that. Sure is. Now, I looked at things a little bit differently here. Now, I had a lot, a lot of Leafs. Spoiler alert, everything, everywhere, all at once, wishes it had the night wow. the Leafs are having right now. They couldn't have had a better night. Oh, they could have. Best Supporting Actress? No, they did go to them. Which one? They got nice three of the four. Went to the wrong Best Supporting Actress. They got three we'll of the four. Oh, that. the whale. They didn't have, a, they didn't have an actor? Sporting actor. Anyway, okay, quickly. Uh, best dramatic moment. I went to last year's Game 7 when I went to the Maple Leafs, but then I thought, was Justin Hall's interference or pick oh God. that dramatic? No, it wasn't as dramatic as what happened in September no. or October between George Springer and Bo Bichette colliding in Game 2 of the Wild Card <laughs> Series versus the Seattle Mariners. Springer carted off the... Th- off the field a three-run lead becomes a 9-9 game jordan romano continues to unravel the blue jays cough and eight one uh, cough up an eight one lead and bow out in two games that collision between Bo and springer was as dramatic a moment mm-hmm. as we got in toronto sports in 2022 and beyond i would have put that in the best horror film category if we had that mm-hmm. but it was dramatic nonetheless all right congratulations to the winners of the best drama now for the best comedy. How long do you think this song is, by the way? I don't know. It's going to play the whole time. <laughs> I love it. The best comedy goes to all of us that covered the Toronto Raptors trade deadline. Mm. Because it was, in retrospect, quite funny that we had these high hopes and expectations. It was going to be the hot team that everyone's going to come and take from And OG was going to go for 52 first-round picks. And we were going to see 
a changing of the guard and it was left with the Yakapurdle edition and a confusion. But in the end, very much a great comedy of errors for the Toronto Raptors trade deadline. Best comedy for me goes to Mitch Marner tying the point streak record at home. And the standing Def- ovation like they won the Stanley Cup. That's my second hardest, runner up. Definitely right the hardest I've laughed all year. The reaction on the ice after he missed the empty net, the quotes afterwards, mm-hmm. the celebration. Uh, when he said how loud the music was, it was like a perfectly memeable moment <laughs> so that people have not jumped on the way they should. I thought it was the funniest moment of the Leaf season mm-hmm. and Toronto sports. Mitch Marner getting to 18 and making us laugh along the way. That was my runner-up for this award, Best Comedy. Um, I was there in attendance. And you knew you I was going thought, with Mitch. I, I did. I kind of went off because I knew you would go that one. Um, and it was like they had won the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. A girl can dream. The award for Best Costume, which for us would be Best Jersey, undoubtedly goes to the NHL All-Star jerseys this time around. Oh. I know you hate them, and I love it even more because of that. An iconic tribute to the past worn by one of your Maple Leafs. Unfortunately, I did buy the jersey from the Maple Leafs that did not go to the All-Star game. So I have that piece of memorabilia that is actually a bit more special because Austin Matthews did not go, but I will give the best costume to the NHL All-Star It's so, so good you haven't even worn it to the studio I wore it. yet. Oh, not to the studio. Uh, best uniform for me, the Leafs 2022-23 retro, reverse retros rather. Well, they, are, nice. they are the best jersey in the city right now. It's a shame they don't wear them more. They are better than what they normally wear. They finally nailed the reverse retro, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Best jersey, best uniform, best costume this year. <laughs> this is so cute with the music. <laughs> best sound, this, uh, or best score, which for us will be like maybe best audio clip. Now, I think I know where you're going with yours. Where am I going? shambles in our brains no 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 is that where you're going i'm going shambles in our brains you mentioned mitch marner and his media during the the whole fiasco and the excitement around his point streak i don't believe that this came from that time but it came from something mitch marner said where he said they're trying to put shambles in our brains and it is the best score or sound of this season I broke these up a little bit. I took two different meanings for sound and score. The original score. Shambles in our brains. Shambles in our brains. The original score was the goal we saw Mitch Marner score over the weekend. Oh, you went with score as in like goal, goal. That was an original score. I've never seen anything like that. The way he tidied it up in front of the net Mm -hmm. after picking off Ryan McLeod's pass. So the score goes to him. The sound goes to Freddie on Ben Taylor. I had to get some Raptors in. I was struggling. I've never really heard anything like that criticism of the official from Fred Van Fleet. I listened to it again, like it was on a podcast over the weekend. I was like, I cannot believe he said that still. it's It stops you in your tracks every time you hear it. So Freddie on Ben Taylor, my Oscar for best sound. Okay, now we're getting into the big ones, everybody. These are the big awards. Best picture, best director, best supporting actor, and best actor. Now, I think we should start with best director. Sure. Now, for me, that is the best coach. And this is an easy one. It has been Sheldon Keefe this season. He was faced with some adversity early on when the Leafs went to the West Coast trip from hell. We came on the radio and thought maybe Sheldon Keefe would lose his job. And since then, he has turned this team around with the help of his star players playing quite well. 
He has had to deal with uh, some injuries. He's had to deal with some lineup shuffling, but he has put his players in the best position to have success down the line. He found a way through the adversity of a, a little bit of a disappointing period for the Maple Leafs. Sheldon Keefe is the winner of best director slash coach. Uh, I'm with you on this one. Do you want a team successful at the box office or do you want a team spending avatar money and getting no return? Wow, look at you, pop culture fan. There you go. I mean, I guess Avatar did get celebrated a little bit last night for the investment that they put in. I think it was one of the highest grossing um, yeah. movies of all time, so I'm not sure how accurate that No, but what was. I'm saying is Raptors, if they want to spend in a luxury tax, we're talking Avatar money, mm. and we're not getting the return at the box office. The Leafs are the most successful team in Toronto right now. Sheldon Keefe is in charge of the Leafs, who are the most successful team in Toronto right now. And that's all that it really takes. He's got the best team. He's guiding it. He's the best director. The big three left. Best picture. Actually, we say that for the end because that's that's the big, that's the Generally, final you close the show. All right. Best actor. He's Mitch Marner. The best player in Toronto sports right now and has been for a consistent period of time. For me, that's important. Maybe the best player in general might be Austin Matthews. But this season, this award season, where we're handing out the best actor award, has to go to Mitch Marner. Consistently on a night-to-night basis, he's one of the best players on the ice. He has elevated the teammates around him. And as a best actor, you might be the star of the show, but what can you do to amplify the other actors in your roster? That is what Mitch Marner does nightly, and he is then the winner of best actor. So it's a down year for movies. I know this only because my mother told me. Did she say that? She did. That was her pre. Her that was that. her pre Oscar analysis. It's down <laughs> year for movies, and it's been a down year in some ways for top end Toronto sports athletes. Vlad and Bo, disappointing seasons. Manoa, what happened in his biggest spot of the year? A little bit of a self destruction. Siakam, Fred, taking steps back. At mm-hmm. least in my opinion, I know you're a Siakam backer. Okay, I said that we don't need to. Punt in from the team. 20 points our last five straight games. Uh, Austin Matthews, Oscar-winning season last year. Mm-hmm. Not this year. Leaves us with the best actor. You're right, Mitch Marner. Uh, he's the most dominant athlete in Toronto sports right now. Top 10 in points in the NHL. Very likely Selkie nominee, Ooh. if you ask Frank Saravelli. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Don't quote him on that. <laughs> and he might be the best player at his position league-wide. And for that, in a down year for athletes in Toronto, just slightly. Because it's been, we got an abundance of great athletes. Mm -hmm. But right now, Mitch Marner stands alone. Which leads to an underrated award, the best supporting actor or actress. And for me, this player deserves a lot of respect and shine for his contributions to a team that is the best team, as we mentioned right now. That's William Nylander. He supports his team on a nightly basis, and he gets a lot of flack, you know? But that role of a supporting actor is so important, and he has done... He is having a career season in that role. He And as we mentioned many times, and you love this point, is that he just goes in there, and he can be... He can play with whoever. He doesn't complain. He just puts up points. He Sam Lafferty? Up, All right. Yeah, sure. You want to put me a with... Pot one. Pontus Holmberg? No problem. William Nylander is my best supporting actor. Award for today's... Fan Morning Show Oscar. What's the mark of a great supporting actor? 
that you don't steal the limelight and you let your your other character shine? I think it is that you do steal the limelight, but only briefly. And William Nylander you has had moments it. where he just steals the show. It's not all about him all the time, but he provides those five to ten minutes of brilliant cinematic experience, which leads the Leafs into the next territory, the upper echelon of teams, because they've got that guy supporting the number one line. William Nylander is the best sporting actor this season. He's having a superstar season that's only being overshadowed because Mitch Marner mm -hmm. is having a superstar season in his own context. William Nylander, best supporting actor, no doubt about it. And here it is, the biggest award in Hollywood and here in Toronto, the best picture, the best team in Toronto sports. For me, this was a difficult decision to make. There's always a lot of good direction to go. Everyone's watching the screen, waiting to see who wins the award. And it is the Toronto Argonauts. Wow. A steal. And at, at the depth. At the, that's it. The Toronto Argonauts. They are the oh most my recent champion in Toronto sports. You forgot about the Toronto Argonauts. I forgot Argonauts. about the Toronto Argonauts. How could you? That Grey Cup victory in the dying seconds, 24 to 23, with Chad Kelly coming in. A moment in Toronto sports history that wow. is already overlooked by Justin Cuthbert and the nominating 100%. committee of the um, Academy Awards. The best team in this, in this category of awards and this era is the Toronto Argonauts, the winners of Best Picture. It's my la-la land moment because I'm given the Best Picture... <laughs> To the Toronto Maple Leafs. What have they done for you lately? You know what? Exactly. They've got more postseason wins than the last opportunity for the big three teams here in Toronto than the other two combined. It doesn't take much to win best, best pitcher. A great couple do it. I agree with you. <laughs> You're, you. You got the better pick here. Great couple do it. Just one round in the postseason will surely do it. But because none of the big three got that done... Three postseason wins to the two of the Toronto Raptors, to the zero of the Toronto Blue Jays. The Maple Leafs, reluctantly, now that you've shown me the light, are my best pitcher winner. How about the music? I was just going to say, but hold time. on. The best technical team, the best behind-the-scenes team, Daniele and Josh, for just being unsung Heroes every day of the fan morning show. You don't get enough love and respect. We love you guys. You get the biggest award today on the fan morning show. Thank you very much. And best teammate goes to Justin Cuthbert. <laughs> something about the award season just has you. you I, I would love to host the Academy Awards. That was my uh, audition. Well, you're, you know, you got a big responsibility <laughs> in about what, 13 months? Yeah, that's true. This was my practice for officiating my friend's there you wedding. Go. You can, uh, you know, you can take some cues from this moment. We continue to build. That was important, though. Glad we did that. Me too. That was awesome. Um, all right. Congrats to our winners of the Toronto Sports Oscars, the first inaugural edition of said event, and we can continue. It's on, uh, by the way, the Raptors and Blue Jays to submit yeah. a little bit more of yeah. an effort. They were in best drama and, and we had best a, we comedy. We had a collision, <laughs> a, collision <laughs> a bad trade deadline. That's about the only representation we had from those two uh, teams. That's funny. Um, and all right. one quote from Fred Van Lee. And one quote from Fred where he shredded a referee. Let's keep the good vibes going because 
You know what we do here on the Fan Morning Show? We give away tickets to every country concert that's rolling into town. I don't. We must have the highest country music listening fan base of all time because we got another one for you. Dirk Bentley coming to Bud Stage on June 1st as a part of his Gravel and Gold Tour with special guests Jordan Davis, Molly Tuttle, and Golden Highway. And we're giving away tickets all week long. All you have to do is listen to the Fan Morning Show this week. Listen for the daily code word. Text it in to 59590. Today's code word for Dirk Bentley is Burning Man. This is not tickets to Burning Man Festival in California. This is for Dirk Bentley, Bud Stage, June 1st. However, the code word is Burning Man. We're giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow. And if you don't win with us, make sure you secure your tickets by going to Ticketmaster.ca Friday at 10 a.m. Dirk Bentley. Another one of my favorites. I like favorites. me some Dirk Bentley. Sam Hunt to Dirk Bentley. Let's do it. God, like, I'm going to have to go to one of these concerts just to see all the fan listeners there. There's some good ones. Um, my favorite... Ooh, you know what? I'm going to wait to see if maybe we do um, the tickets. But he back in like early 2000s to 2010s era, I was a big Dirk Bentley mm-hmm. gal. Um, so I think he's got some good tunes. Looking forward to it. That's Bud Stage, June 1st. Today's code word, Burning Man. If we were giving away awards for favorite guests on the Fan Morning Show, Luke Fox could be in the running. 100%. And he joins us on the other side of the break, NHL writer at Sportsnet. Let's talk about that Oilers-Leafs matchup on Saturday night and tee up tonight against the Buffalo Sabres Battle of the QEW. That's next with Luke Fox.